Welcome to All The Things Podcast. I'm Regina Lawrence, your host. I'm a lawyer turned soulful business strategist and transformational mindset coach. I'm also the founder of the community, All The Things Business. I've created a community of women who can truly be all the things, successful, spiritual, sexual, and wildly unique, all while creating a life of purpose and passion according to our own rules. We don't have to look or be a person that societal norms dictate anymore. We don't have to play by somebody else's rules. We can be whoever we want to be, and that person can be all the things in one. Each week, I'll bring you episodes where we dive deep into business, entrepreneurship, and a whole host of topics to help us dive into who we truly are so that we can really be all the things. Welcome to my podcast. Hey guys, I know that starting a business can be really complicated, confusing, scary, and there's so many moments when you're starting your business or when you're pivoting your business, you feel really, really confused and like you have no one to talk to. I totally understand that because when I started my coaching business, I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. I felt like I tried a million things and I would hit dead ends and I would just try and try and try and try. Luckily, I was able to figure it out, but I had to take the long way. And that is exactly why I am the business coach that I am, because I've tried and I've tried and I've tried all of the things. And I know what works in creating, scaling, and pivoting your online and coaching business. If you are needing a friend, if you are needing a coach and somebody to hold your hand through this crazy process of growing your business online, schedule a free 30-minute virtual coffee chat with me. Go to my website, reginalawrence.com, and click schedule a virtual coffee chat, and we can hop on and talk about one particular issue in your business that you are struggling with right now. And by the end of that 30 minutes, I promise you that you will have a solution. Once again, it's www.reginalawrence.com and click schedule a virtual coffee chat. I cannot wait to talk to you and help you unravel anything you are struggling with in your business right now. Enjoy this episode. Hello, welcome back to another episode of All the Things Podcast. This week on the podcast, we have another incredible female. Today we have Adrian Ellison. Whew, you guys are going to love her and you're so going to love this conversation that we had. Adrian is a bold ass woman and she is so bold in her truth. She is a dynamic speaker and coach around conscious relationships that center around health, self-healing, intimacy, and purpose. Prior to this, she spent five years building credibility with a physical transformation company, which then led to her passion for more human potential. Through trauma healing and deepening connections with self and community, Adrienne has proven that transformation can be fast-tracked, which she, I think, has done in her own life, and we talk about it quite a bit. You can find her hosting impactful experiences all over the world that are built to draw awareness to unconscious patterns and help individuals step into their power. And don't miss it. At the end of this episode, we talk about a transformational experience that Adrienne is hosting. And if you guys are interested, I will have all of the info in the show notes for you. Because Adrian's path in life is so varied, we had conversations around so many different things, including this like wild, beautiful time of travel she's had and the self-healing that has gone on for her there. We talk about embracing the healing journey. Something I love about Adrian is that she really has embraced it and has dived right in. We talk about how past romantic relationships have really helped her with her healing journey. We talk about codependency. We talk about dating. We talk about vulnerability. We talk about cord cutting. So many juicy topics. I can't wait for you guys to dive into this episode. And as always, if you love what you hear, please share it in your stories. Tag me and Adrian. She's at Adrian Ellison, A-D-R-I-N-I-A-N. E-L-L-I-S-O-N on Instagram. Tag us both. Share what you loved about the episode. And as always, if you love this, please rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss out on all of the yummy topics and guests that we have coming this year. With that, enjoy this episode. It's also interesting, like, it was interesting when you started to say, like, I'm settled now, like, after two years, and my body is like, all this stuff is happening in your body. I think a lot of times when we think of healing, like 
people think like I have to be sedentary. I have to be in a place for the healing to take place. Whereas for you, you were on the road and those experiences were what were stretching you and letting you have the space to heal. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I'm in the third dimensional plane right now, catching up on the healing. So there's a huge Mm -hmm. difference between like expansion of like psychological and energetic, you know, evolution versus like physical. And I think that's kind of what hasn't been able to catch up is the amount of growth that I've had in my own self-awareness, my understanding of myself and really stretching my limits as far as like, who am I? And like, what do I believe? What do I resonate with? All of that has been exponentially expanded because of travel. So I would say that travel actually puts me in a space where I'm able to heal and resurface things more. And then there's, there's a lot that goes into that. Cause if you're, you know, traveling with somebody who's toxic, like you're adding layers of things that don't make sense together. If you really want to do your healing journey, it's less about where you are. And it's more about like the, the surroundings around you, like your energetic environment, but now being actually still in my body and grounded it's kind of, and I actually see this with like sexual trauma come up where people's sexual trauma doesn't really surface until they maybe get married and they're like settled in with a safe partner. And then all of a sudden now this is the perfect time uh, to really like unpack it. And that happened to me in my last relationship. It's happening to me now with moving into this house. Like my body's just, it's wondering, you know, is how long are we going to have to really like move some things around? And I can, I can actually feel my ribs like shifting in place and my diaphragm and Mm -hmm. all the moments of like trying to catch my breath last year. And now I'm catching more breaths and my, my ribs feel like they're breaking while I'm doing that. Wow. The body is so, it's so beautiful and powerful the things that the body does, especially when we're healing the deep the deep trauma that like we've been so good at suppressing for so many years. What, um, where did, when did you start this journey? Cause I feel like, okay, when I look at you and I read the things that you write, you seem to me like somebody who is always embracing the next step of the healing journey. Like, I feel like you're like, this is going to be really fucking painful. Let's do it. It's going to, it's the next necessary step. Are you like, is that real? Like, are you really like that? Definitely. I'm very, um, like if you look at human design, I'm a generator and I'm a generator three, five, which is all about experimentation and then sharing. Mm -hmm. I I just genuinely believe everything is an experiment. Um, which is why I don't have like a lot of like fear of failure in, in some of the things that I want to try to do. Cause it's like, well, it's just an experiment, but yeah, I, I don't know what it, and it's not like an addiction. I don't have this like addiction to like, I have to heal. I have to heal. I'm not hard on myself anymore. I think what it is, is just when you are able to like, you know, some people like, okay, I've been assembling a bunch of furniture all week long and multiple people have been like, Oh my God, I love assembling furniture. You should have called me. And I'm like, fuck, I really should have called you because I hate it. But that same thing of like being able to start working on something and fucking know at the end is going to be so beautiful. I just know that with my healing at this point, I've done so much work and allowed myself to go into spaces that I was really afraid of. And it's really helped to the whole as above, so below, like really understand that as much as I'm willing to look at all of the depths of the suffering and the darkness and the shadows, it's equal pleasure on the other side. So long as I actually go and do the work and like, don't look away and really submerge myself into the experience of it. Um, and not into the experience of like depression, but like you can go in for an hour during meditation and come out and be like, Oh, I was really heavy you know, but then at the same time, all of a sudden your capacity to go to the polar opposite end of that has actually grown. And there's, you know, this is what's kind of new about the whole trauma healing space is they're, they're figuring out like what's safe, who's it safe for, you know, breath work was super hot over the last couple of years. And then all of a sudden now you've got people coming out and being like, yeah, be careful with breath work. Cause that'll resurface some shit that, you know, some people aren't, aren't willing to deal with. And we're still trying to understand what are the levels of trauma and, um, you know, so I really can only speak for my own self and then the experiences that my community has shared with me. I'm in a place where I have not had significant enough trauma, meaning that there is nothing that happened to me that if I were to go do a really heavy session of breath work, that would be resurfaced that there's, that there's, I couldn't cope with. I don't have the capacity to cope with, right? Like, so I'm not saying like, if you had suffered from really severe trauma as a child, um, especially like physical trauma, 
you know, it wouldn't be as easy to just go diving into the deep end and being like, Ooh, I want to find out what's in here. Most of what's in my deep end is like narcissistic tendencies. It's like yeah. manipulation, it's betrayal, it's, um, control. It's, you know, um, just a lot of, a lot of the things that when you think about like the ego, the egotistical person, like arrogance and opinionated and dismissive and aggressive and controlling, like that's what's in my dark pool of things. And most of my trauma has been inflicted based on those characteristics. And a lot of those characteristics were developed based on what I experienced in the womb and passed down from, you know, generational trauma from, I would assume the women in my, in my biological family's line who suffered from a lot of physical abuse. So can see how that kind of moves on down. When you, what was the, was there a moment or a thing that was like the catalyst for you to start this like deep healing work? Definitely. It's always the same. <clears throat> my dad died when I was 23, okay. right when I turned 23, like a few days after my birthday. And I had built this entire persona up of like who I thought people wanted me to be and who I thought I was lovable as. And when my dad died, I mean, I, like, mo- like most of my friends, I mean, my childhood friends did, but like my current friends that I was friends with, they didn't even come to my dad's funeral. And it was only five hours away. I mean, it really set into perspective who I was spending my time with and how like supported I was. And, and then also like the, one of the most important people, probably the most important person in my entire life is now gone. And all the things that I thought mattered don't fucking matter at all. My super expensive car, like that, the apartment that I wanted in Dallas, that was in the high rise, like, you know, the friends of mine that I would go party and go club with, like none of that stuff really mattered. I was just sitting in like a lot of confusion about death and the in-between spaces and, um, a lot of like a lot of guilt for not feeling like I showed up for my dad enough when I was younger. I was a super difficult kid. So there's a lot of like a lot of my shadows that'll resurface around that is, is how guilty I feel for the way that I showed up with my parents when they adopted me and took such good care of me. And I was just like a really destructive child. So that moment of losing him and not being able to ever get back, like as a mass manipulator at the time, it was like, I can't manipulate this situation at all. Like, I'm just, I don't have anything that I can do. It just is what it is. And I just have to sit in that, in that lack of control and it kind of spun me, you know, um, it spun me in one direction, which was just like, there is nothing that I have control over and like a very vic- like victim consciousness, like, Oh, you know, and then it spun me to the other side of that once I did that. And that was not working for me whatsoever. Um, which was to control everything, you know, to get into a partnership where I was able to manipulate and get everything that I wanted out of it. You know, so I did that dance for a year and a half before I met my next partner who when I went, when I went into the relationship, I was super manipulative as well. And just really unconscious. I had no idea how I was showing up in the world. Um, and this was like around the time I was 24 when I met him, but by the time I was 26, which was two years into our relationship, you know, a lot of things happen. One is we're in a, we're in an age of like dating online, right? Which is like, you have no, first of all, people that have known each other since high school, I would say like a large chunk of the population that's married doesn't have a fucking clue who their partner is not a fucking clue so when you meet somebody online even less i met this guy online this is my ex tommy that i'm like really good friends with um i met him online two months later i moved from texas to utah to move in <laughs> with him <laughs> And it was like, it wasn't, it was probably like six months before we were looking at each other and we were like, you are not who I thought you were. It's like, no, you're not who I thought you were. Who the fuck are you? And in that, I mean, we definitely had a lot of, a lot of pain in the first, I would say the first year of our relationship was pretty painful. Um, The second year of our relationship was a lot of like digging and rebuilding. And we were, we were kind of scratching each other open, but also like more receptive to it. Like he would tell me things about myself, like, Hey, Adrian, you have all these masks that aren't even you, like all the ways that you show up with your big dick energy. Like it's not (laughs) even real because then I come home and you're just fucking crying and you're soft. (laughs) Like, you know, and he, he never said it like that. He was always really nice and 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 a little bit avoidant. So, um, but you know, he ultimately was the person that was like, 
you need to look at yourself, not in the way that you think that you are, but in a different way, because the way that you talk about yourself, I'm going to tell you right now, I've lived with you now for over a year and that's not who you are. <laughs> and when he would tell me that, I would be like, yeah. what is that even supposed to mean? You know, you don't I, even fucking know me. <laughs> and, and you know, part of it was his projection and part of it was true, but it wasn't until one day that he hired this girl and it was like, she was going to be his assistant. Uh, and then maybe some more things over that, if it worked out and they had this really great synergistic energy together that him and I could never figure out how to have, because we would fight. We were so different. So, so, so different. And so we would try to have business meetings. We had a business together and we would just, it would just turn into a screaming match and a, you don't have sex with me enough kind of thing. (laughs) Whoa, this is a business meeting. Like where is this coming from? And we were not able to separate church and state whatsoever. Um, up until the end of our relationship, which was, which was really great learning and progress, you know, but yeah, he hired this girl and she's a spitting image of me like a year before. So I was only like, you know, maybe a year ahead of her growth. And and I don't say that in like a competition or judgment kind of way. It's really more just like relevant to what the story that I'm telling. I don't know where she's at now. She was really dope. She was the most powerful mirror um, of my life at that point. She showed me things about myself that I was like, whoa, is this how people feel about me? And is this how I, you know, she was very, um, very passionate. She could really speak well. She could show up in a way that, you know, if she's at the front of the room and you've never met her before, she's fucking awesome. And you're just like, who is this person? I've always been that person. I've always been able to do public speaking. I've always been able to put on this front of like, I know everything that I'm talking about. Listen to me. My words are magic. But the truth of that is like, what's the shadow side of that, right? If you're not able to understand that it is a craft and that you are moving and manipulating energy when you're doing that, and I don't mean it in a negative way, but if you're not aware of it at all and you're just doing it based on survival needs and like to receive validation, you can't even imagine some of the darkness that's in that. And I got to see my own darkness in her and it ended up being you know, very, very eye-opening. She ended up leaving the company and a little bit of like, it was kind of bad how she left us. And uh, it was very traumatizing. Um, It was very like, like for our relationship and everything that was happening. And she was kind of trying to take us down. And, and Mm -hmm. I, the whole time I just sat back and I was like, this is me. Like, this is 100% me. I've done this to people in the past. I'm capable of doing this in the future. Like, and I would just, I just observed her and um, it's really cool because I'm back in contact with her now and we don't really talk very much, but it's really neat to see kind of where of that level of awareness and that level of a, like what I, I, I would call that a dirty mirror because they show you, you look at it and you're like, huh, you know, yeah. but she's such a beautiful person, just like I'm a beautiful person. It's just, I didn't want to see those things inside myself. Mm-hmm. It was really, really traumatic. Um, and so that was, yeah, that was our whole, that was, you know, mine and Tommy's whole first part of the relationship is figuring out <laughs> that you have no idea who your partner is. And here we are, you know, down the road. I love that you were like, we've been together for two months. I'm going to get on an airplane and move in with you. <laughs> I love I, that. I'm a hopeless romantic in the dumbest ways, if I'm being honest. I mean, I feel like that's why I'm a relationship coach because actually the same, when I was a nutrition coach, I was the best fucking coach, not because I followed literally anything that I was supposed to follow, but because I didn't follow anything and I knew the pain points of things so well, because I would sit in why I wasn't doing the things I knew I needed to be doing. And I would understand those little shadows so well that I understood it with a client and I was able to communicate to them in a language that they'd never heard before. Yeah. And the same fucking thing with relationships. For the most part, I'm a pretty conscious partner. Um, I would say that like the way that I show up is really beautiful. Like, 85% of the time. And then the other, whatever, 15%, I'd do the math on that. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a little like trashy in certain ways, you know, trashy. I have this thing that I do when I get mad, where I start putting my finger in people's Uh faces and I start telling them and like using degrading language. And I don't, I haven't been in this scenario in a very long time. Um, I would say like, I haven't, I haven't had any of those like things come out in at least a year. Um, nah, no, like six, uh, yeah, like nine months, nine months since my, one of my partners named Eric was the last person that really got to see that version of me. But that version of me that's like, you know, really grimy and just wants you to know that like, I'm a fucking independent woman and you're not going to fucking talk to me like this, even though I'm like, actually, I'm really sad. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't like 
the way that this is going and I don't feel safe to be in my feminine right now. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to put on this really ghetto masculine front and call you boy and degrade you and gaslight you. And, you know, we're going to see where this takes us and it never fucking takes us anywhere, you know? Yeah. I'm like, I'm similar to you in that way. I am like in my feminine, I am soft. I am maternal. I am loving. I want to take care of and care for people and love on them. But that 10 to 15% of me that comes out is that trashy girl from Philly who's like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you, are you kidding me? Like that, I do the same thing. And I'm like rolling a coffee cup across the room and you're like, whoa, that's people. Like, yeah, that's, that girl comes out and I feel her come out. Like I always say to my clients, like we all have that, that girl that lives inside of us and she's hurt and she comes out with a fucking vengeance. She's like a crazy bitch. And when she comes out of me, I feel, I like feel the voice, the deep South Philly voice. So I get it. Yeah. And I'm by no means condoning, like throw coffee cups at your partner. Like it's totally fine. You know, like those memes that are like, I'm that girl. No, like it sucks. And I've had to do a tremendous amount of healing on that part of myself, but I'm also in a really neutral place of like, I don't know that, that part of me is ever going to fully go away. But what I do know and commit to is to attracting partners and doing my own inner work so that I'm never put in a position where I feel that level of need for survival to where I have to start throwing things or, um, you know, calling people boy or, you know, using that language. And it's like, you know, how much you respect a person, but also how much they respect you. You know, if I'm using degrading language, there's a good chance that the partner that I have is also using that. And it's a mirror for itself, you know? And if I'm becoming physically aggressive, there's a good chance that my partner is either also physically aggressive or he has had physical aggression through his mother or someone. And he is like calling upon that kind of energy. There's always two sides of an energy line between another person and you're sending things and they're sending things. It's never one way. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's an interesting topic and, um, it's hard because I get in like, I, when, when I go on like first dates, guys are like, Oh, like, it's gotta be super hard to date you. Cause like, you just kind of know everything about relationships. And I'm like, yeah, you're going to find out <laughs> it's, we, we all have it, you know? What's it like? I actually, it's funny that you said this cause I actually wrote down this question as you were talking, what is it like to, to date at this point in your life? Like how, what is that experience like? Yeah. Um, well, that's like such a specific question based on like where my mindset is at, you know, right now I'm really looking forward to getting settled in my home and in a, in one place. So I would say this is the first time that I've really craved having like more of a consistent partner. Um, but I have a lot of beliefs that I'm working through right now as we do at every single level of every layer of growth. But some of the things that are so like tradition, like just dating normally for me would look like me going out on a date with someone. What I'm kind of assessing is like how aware that person is of themselves. And I don't need that person to have the same language as me. I actually was talking about this yesterday. I don't want somebody to have the same level of language and knowledge on self-healing that I do because we would be so fucking annoying together. Okay. We just, I get that. It would drive people crazy. You know, <laughs> what would be great is to have a guy that's like, I think that what you're saying makes so much sense. And it's such a cool way that you've said it. And I think for me, it's just a little bit more simple than that, but thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, like, yeah. Okay, cool. It's more simple than that. Like, great. Let's just have some great sex. We don't have to talk anymore. Yeah. (laughs) I think that, uh, just like a, you know, an, an opportunity to step away from like what makes you super safe or strong in their relationship and have a different type of relationship. So Dating for me right now, um, I'm a little less interested in like sharing and exchanging words as I am sharing and exchanging like energy and and physical touch that feels really safe. And that is also like, I want to know that the person that I'm about to engage with on that deep of a level has done enough work that they know their own internal energy field so that when they step into mine, there's no confusion about whose is whose, like what's what, because I've been in a relationship as you know, we've talked about this where I was so lost in the sauce of another person's energy field that it took me three months to figure out what was mine. And the truth was, is almost none of it was mine. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's really intense. Um, and so what I want now is dating for me is like, I'm not going on like dates. You know, I went on, I've been on one hinge date, um, 
in six months. I've been on one Bumble date in six months. One of them turned out incredible, incredible lover. Um, that was just kind of random. Like it was very divine timing. And then the other person is just like, Oh, you seem really cool, but I don't have that like deep spark of like, I want to know more about you. And I'm super interested. And I'm also watching that part of me shift because that part of me that used to, my ego used to be like, yes, this is the person you're going to do all of your healing through. They're going to fuck you up, but it's going to be awesome. And you don't <laughs> know that that's what your ego is saying. Cause you're just like, Oh, this person is so amazing. Maybe we're supposed to be together. And it's like, when you get that level of excited at that level of attached that early, you know what's coming all the messages whenever there's like that level of I've noticed myself when there's that level of excitement and that level of the feeling of attachment that early the fucking fire is gonna blow up that's a twin flame right there totally that's a place for you you're what you what what I interpret that is as oh my god I'm seeing myself in a way I've never seen myself before and because it's not me I find it so much more attractive and I'm interested in diving into myself because of how attractive it is and how like my I'm like ooh, something shiny but it's actually me and then once I start unpackaging it I'm like oh no no, no, no. I don't want to see that part of myself. I do not want to be that to be reflected back to me. And like, I don't like the things that you're doing because those are the things inside of me that I have not yet to be able to understand that I also do to people. And that really is like twin flame energy that I'm very aware of whenever I feel that feeling. Like, you know, sometimes you like grab the same peach at the supermarket with some guy, you lock eyes with him and you're just like, you already, you like, your mind's like imagining your future together. And you're just yeah. like, nope, I already have enough mirrors right now. Thank you, sir. You know, <laughs> you can have that peach. I had, and you know, one of the guys I dated this year that I like so much healing came from that relationship. Um, in, in the dating, everything, everything was triggering to him. So he'd be like, this is triggering me. That is triggering me. This is triggering me. And it was in the moment I was like, what the fuck? Everything triggers you. But it was so good because it was a mirror for me to examine myself under a microscope in a way that I hadn't before. How am I speaking? What is the energy behind the words that I'm saying? What is the intention behind the thing that I'm saying right now? What do I want to happen? And it made me like, like really dissect on a word by word basis. How am I showing up? What am I saying? And I was like, God, I fucking hate this, but I love it, but I hate it. (laughs) And I, I mean, yeah, you know, that man is medicine. Um, Mm -hmm. I had had a similar and different experience in the way that I interpret things. Um, I have a harder time in the dissecting of things when I'm in the thick of it. I'm pretty much deep in like, um, in that one specifically, in my relationship like that specifically, it was like more of just like a really kind of traumatized, wounded feminine. But I never stepped into like, I was into in masculine when I had to do things for myself, like, you know, like really pick myself up and I was traveling and, and running a business. But in that relationship specifically, it wasn't like I had stepped into that like crazy masculine of like, you know, I wasn't throwing my fingers up and it was more of just like a traumatized, like, I can't move kind of feeling, you know, or like if I do move, like, like you just question everything about yourself. Um, but once I was able to get out of it, that's when I was like, you know, my magnifying glass on some of the things that were showing up and and why they were showing up. And I think my wounding is specific to when somebody else is really suffering, I have a little bit of that martyr complex and I have a hard time Um, like say that we're both having a situation and that situation was caused by, you know, this person doing something. And all of a sudden this person is suffering because of what they did. I'm going to automatically take over the need to care for their suffering over the fact that like, yo, you did this to me. Like I'm fucked up right now. You know what I mean? But let me care for you because I can see that you fucking me up has also fucked you up. And I don't want you to feel fucked up. up. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So dating for me in the future looks like none of that. And, um, a lot of like nonverbal communication, um, a lot of sharing of energy, but also knowing whose energy is what, um, one of the things I do now, and this is like relevant for dating, but also just for everyone is I cut cords with everybody when I leave them. Uh, the only people I don't cut cords with is like my roommate, Austin, 
I don't really need to cut cords with him. We have super, super clean lines. Um, and he's never like in my field. And then my best friend, Ciara, we have some of the clean, I mean, the cleanest lines I've ever felt on this planet of just all I feel from those is just like unconditional love coursing through them. But like when I go hang out with friends or if I have clients that I'm with for the weekend, um, I always do cord cutting ritual in the bath and just like, you know, really understand what I experienced with them. What were the lessons? Is there anything that I could have gotten out of it more, like really thanking them for that time. And then just like sending their energy back to them and taking back all of my energy back to being a whole person. And like, you know, whatever their free will is, is their free will. And then now I'm back into my own space. And I want to do that with my partner because I, I do get lost in the sauce pretty easily in a relationship. And that's not something that I want to continue. I'm the same way as you. I do the same thing. I do an energetic, like unhooking every night in the bathtub where I literally go through my day. Even if I'm at Target, I'm like unhooking from the woman I spoke with at Target who checks me out. Like I do the same thing because I get, I get lost. Sometimes like a few weeks ago, I was feeling like all of this anxiety. I was like, why are you anxious? You haven't felt anxiety like this since you were in your early 20s. And I was like, oh, this is not mine. <gasps> well, this is somebody else. And so I get, especially in dating, I, I, it's, I gotta pull back. I gotta like pull back. <laughs> so I get that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a, I mean, and, and sometimes it happens. Like I, I recently had where, you know, I had talked to a client like weeks ago and then all of a sudden I was laying in bed one night and I'm deep in a rabbit hole of thinking about her suffering. And I'm like, Whoa, mm. this is so strange. I haven't talked to this person in like, you know, two weeks. And why is this like the thing that I'm thinking about before bed? And it's just like, you know, when you go to get into bed, you're kind of, in my case right now, I'm alone. So I'm by myself in bed. And that's when my field is like, Hey, look at all these things that are not yours. You probably don't want to go to sleep with these because mm. you know, like you, you want to have like the cleanest communication in your dream time. And when you wake up, you want to feel restored and you don't know what's tugging or what's happening. And if you're that connected to someone and they have a really fucked up night, you wake up the next morning feeling just sauced and you're like, I feel so terrible right now. Why? And we don't really know why. So, you know, I just try to, for me, it's no harm to just kind of cut cords, unhook, as you say, from people. Um, I actually have a cord cutting uh, whole workshop this evening for that. We're learning in my mastermind, which is going to be dope. Amazing. That's so amazing. Um, something that you and I chatted about a little bit and you talk about a lot and it's coming up for me is codependency but especially like I was thinking as you were talking about dating and being in relationships like there's a difference for me with my codependence journey there's there's the learning and the understanding and the deep work that we do on our own but then I believe with codependency there's a certain level of work you can't get to without a partner without somebody in your life there's things that you don't see or feel um what is it like now? Cause you've been on such a journey with codependency with codependency and dating and relationships. Yeah. And I think you can do work on codependency <clears throat> outside of a relationship, but the more intense the mirror, the more intense the work is. Right. So it's like having like a, you know, a really close, one of the ways that I noticed my own codependency really early on was in my friendships with other women. And codependency, by the way, it's not this, it's not this thing that it's like, oh, you, you're married with someone and you expect them to take out the trash. And so it's like, that's codependent or you can't, you know, she can't change her own tire. She's codependent <clears throat> like that shit. Like I'm not going to change my own tire either. I'll either pay somebody to do it. Or if I have, if I have a man in my life that wants to do it, great. Codependency and what is really more important is to look at how your energy has to move because you're unable, like through another person, because you're unable to move it yourself. Mm -hmm. So for instance, um, me growing up, I would always have one best friend. And this one best friend was always the best friend who had a really hard time using her voice, uh, had a really hard time kind of speaking up, sharing her truth, you know, laying down no boundaries. And I grew up as a person who was a boundary, like overstepper. So I don't like the word no, and they don't like to say no. So that's a great pairing for codependency because when we go out on the town, you know, my energy needs to move in a way that is controlling and it's not going to move in a way that's controlling with another person that's controlling. That's when you're going to butt heads, right? That's when you, you're younger and you show up at a party and you hear a girl say one sentence, you're like, I don't like her. And it's like, yeah, because she's, she's a mirror for how your energy would have to move in a different direction. And codependency is 
usually out of necessity rather than choice. So for instance, in that scenario, when I'm younger and I show up to that party and I see like another person who's controlling, I can't be attracted to them because I don't have a choice in how I move my energy. It's only a necessity. It's the only thing I know how to do. Mm-hmm. And the game of self-awareness allows you to bring into, you know, lay your cards on the table and say like, oh, the reason why my energy moves this way is because I have never known it can move a different way because I have beliefs, I have social programming, I have trauma, I have all of these things, these shadows that have created these stories around why my energy must move in this direction. And nobody's referring to this as energy. It's like personality, right? Characteristics. Like she's bossy, you know? And it's like, at what point in her like traumatic, you know, trauma and her, her arsenal of things that had happened to her and the stories that she created, is that playing out because that's what needs to play out? And then if so, that energy of like me needing to tell other people what to do, it has to move. It has to move and it has to shift. And so for me, if I just know that I need to be controlling and you don't call it that, right? It's like, I'm independent or whatever, whatever word you want to use for it. Like, you know, the difference between that energy, right? You can tell when somebody's like, this is just how I am. And it's like, okay, cool. Or that's just how your trauma and your beliefs have played out. And like, you actually don't even know who you are. And now the only way you know how to move your energy is by telling other people what to do. And so you make sure unconsciously to find people that like to be told what to do, because if you didn't, you would be stuck and you wouldn't be able to move forward. And so your energy knows exactly how to find people that need, that can help you move your energy in this direction. Like this is like, this is magic. Yeah. I mean, being able to understand this, like you can create your entire reality around you. So for me, being able to look at all of those things that I was doing and all the people that I was attracting and how they were all the same type of woman, you know, the woman who wanted to be crazy, but she just didn't have it in her yet. You know, she didn't have that self-expression like I had. She wasn't able to be aggressive. She needed somebody like, I was always a girl that fought people for other people, you know? Totally. Like, could you imagine two of those girls? Sometimes it happens. They're usually like sisters or something. And they're the ones that like, they're the ones that like beat each other up. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, It's so, so different. And when I, um, when I first got into my relationship that I have with my best friend, Ciara, she was the first person female wise that stepped into my peripheral, into my, my line of sight where I was like, Ooh, she's the same avatar, Mm. but I'm different and I want to be different and I get to choose to be different with her. And so what this looked like is you know, we have a relationship where it's much easier for her just to go with the flow of what I say. And it's much easier for me to tell her how things are and for her to make decisions based on that. And it's not healthy. And so now, you know, I have, I have to be in my light to be like when she's, you know, wanting me to help guide her or make decisions for her or, you know, speak up for her. I have to say, that's not, that's not my place. And you're going to have to make that decision on your own. You know, and then for her, her work is like, you know, not allowing somebody to come over and to tell her. And there's been times where she's stopped me and been like, I don't, she's like so sweet. She's like, I don't really feel like that's my truth, but thank you. And then I'm like, yeah, (laughs) that's cool. And it's fun in a relationship when you have choice of how you get to show up, because now it's less of a trauma bond of like, we're just unconsciously going through the motions that our traumas need us to go through because we feel like we can't, you know, survive any other way to being like, this is a little scary if I show up a different way, because my whole life has been like heavily validated on the way that I showed up. And I truly at this point have enough of that validation to believe that that's what makes me lovable. But in this moment, I choose to love the other person as much as I would like you know, to love myself. And by doing so, I don't want to manipulate that person. And so I'm going to be aware of my codependency and I'm going to be aware of how my energy likes to move through them. And I'm going to choose not to do that. And then I'm going to observe what that space looks like. And, you know, sometimes you just end up realizing like, you know what, like, I don't want to take the trash out. I want my husband to do it, but because I want my husband to do it and I don't want to do stuff like that. I want to have an honest conversation with him about it rather than being like, oops, I know that he does that and I don't have appreciation for it. And I never, a great example. I'll give you an example. I used to have the worst codependency with money. Um, I have like a long history of like really bad shadows with money and it comes from my parents and like just, I've done a lot of work on the beliefs and I actually like broke down the beliefs last year in Bali. It changed my whole life. But one of the things that I noticed and when I was in Bali is 
I was at the time dating two men and I just come out of a relationship with my ex and I was looking at my patterns with money around them. And one of the men that I was dating, he was super successful, high profile, like really, really gnarly person. And a lot of my desires to be with him, I was like, I can't tell if I really like this person or if this person is just like on paper, the thing that my, you know, my money codependency is looking for, because like, it makes me feel like I'm going to be able to have my own money in the future. The other partner that I had was always paying for my stuff. Like, and, and here was the thing. It's okay. If you have a partner that just like makes a lot more money than you, and they just want to buy your dinner every time. Like it's totally fine. What's not fine is if it's never talked about and you start feeling anxiety about it the way that I would. And what would happen is we would go out to like dinner and I wouldn't even mean to do this, but I'd find myself in the bathroom as the bill came because I would feel so much anxiety that I would just need to get up and like move my body. And I wouldn't know that it was because the bill was coming. Right. Or it was this thing of like, I never, I never, you know, he paid for all these meals and I never said, Hey, I just realized you're paying for a lot of meals and it's kind of a lot of money. And I personally am not in a place to be able to afford that. So I just want to say, thank you. And if you would like any help, maybe we could talk about what I could afford to do. I never had that conversation. Instead, I just kind of like looked the other way. I was just like, Oh, unconsciously hope that nobody brings it up. And so one of the things that I did is I called my ex and I called this guy that I was dating. And I was like, listen, I just found out how deep my money issues are. And I need to be honest with you. I'm not making like any money right now. I have some serious money issues. It makes me uncomfortable how much you pay for things, not because you're paying for them, but because I, I'm so like, that I can't even have a conversation with you about you paying for things. And I'm afraid that if I bring it up, you're going to either stop or you're going to want me to pay for things or you're going to shame me. And he was like, Adrian, I know you have no money. That's why I pay for everything. Like Mm -hmm. no secret. You know what I mean? Also, I know you're terrible with money. I've seen how you spend it. It's awful. And if you want to pay for things, pay for things. Like, and what we ended up coming up with is because he wanted to do a lot of, you know, more extravagant things that I wouldn't be able to split down the middle. When we would go to dinner, I would just leave the tip. You know, it was like, I was always contributing like 20 or $40 to certain things. And, you know, it it only went on for a couple months before we broke up. But, um, you know, then, then it was like being able to look at that, like, you know, how much of me being in a relationship is based on like how another person makes me feel safe with something as small as like my beliefs around money. Right. And then I called my ex and I was like, listen, I got to tell you our whole relationship. Like when you were paying for groceries and things like that, like I I just unconsciously was hoping that it never got brought up because I honestly didn't, it was even when I had money, I was afraid that if I paid for groceries, then I wouldn't have money the next time for groceries. And so it wasn't that I was like, I need you to pay for everything. It was that I was just like saving up the little bit of money that I had even when I had a lot of money, it felt like I had nothing because I was just afraid for the moment that I was going to be asked to use my own money. And like, that is the definition of scarcity. And so if you have like scarcity like that, how is that going to move? Right. How is the scarcity going to move in order to make itself feel like it can survive? That's a codependent movement. That's a codependent pattern. Um, and it was, you know, it was very transformative to be able to have those. And my ex said the same thing. He was like, Hey, I know you're terrible with money. Like I pay you, you know what I mean? We have a business together. Yeah, exactly. How, how did you, okay. So like this principle that you just described with money, how you felt about money, the, Oh, I can't talk about it. People feel that with a lot of different things in their life, that yeah. feeling. So as you said that, I'll be honest, I was thinking about, I can literally talk to anybody about anything. I could sit on a stage naked and talk about my labia. Like that's how I feel. When I am with someone who I deeply love to talk about, to articulate the love I have for that human and the feelings I have for that human, my insides go, ah! <laughs> I'm like, no, we love each other. I mean, just look, look at the totality of the circumstances. Look at how we engage with each other. Look at these factors. But for me, the girl who will talk about anything and with my girlfriends, I will I will articulate my love and feelings and be vulnerable with women, but with men. And as you're saying that, I was like, the way you feel about money is the way I feel about feelings. What do you think that is? I mean, you know, that's the, the part of you that kind of has a whole record of what it means to be loved and what you, what, you know, persona you have to have in order for people to feel like you're, you know, maybe strong. I know you come from, you know, you have addicts in your life, um, which 
typically a child that's around addicts is going to feel like they have to be the strong one in the family because if they don't, their parent will relapse or the rest of the family won't be taken care of, you know, siblings. I don't, I don't know your whole story, but it feels like, um, it feels like a control of like composure almost. Yeah. Like when you allow yourself to be so deeply in your feminine and in your feelings and to even like with me, like one of the things I see show up is even when I'm deeply in my feminine, <clears throat> it's only safe so long as I can feel the, the, um, that the perception is that I'm, I'm in my feminine. Like sometimes I will catch myself being like, I only feel comfortable being in my feminine because I know other people are perceiving me as feminine and they're perceiving it as strength. But the second that I get this thing where I'm like in my feminine and another person feels something like weird about it, all of a sudden I'm like toppling upside myself. Like, yeah. just like, Whoa, wait a second. I was like the most powerful being a second ago. And yeah. now all of a sudden I'm having a hard time even knowing like, what is okay? Am I, am I dressed? Okay. Like, or am yeah. I putting too much energy out there? Am I making other people uncomfortable? Did I overdo it? You know, it's like that, that wounded feminine wound. Like, am I taking up too much space? Yeah. And I think just like being able to share how you feel with another person and like be that vulnerable is it's not composed. And to be honest, vulnerability isn't composed. And one of the things I feel with people like you and I, who are able to just share to such a high degree is there's so little that we can be vulnerable about that. We are almost never really vulnerable. Like yeah. even in our, uh, you know, perception or, or of the appearance, right? Like, like guest perception of yeah. us is like, wow, that was such a vulnerable share. It's a vulnerable share when I'm not articulating it perfectly and I'm crying. That's a vulnerable thing. That's when I'm like, and I just, I love you. And I don't know. When I'm like sitting there and I'm like, listen, I want you to know that the way that I feel about you is this, this, and this, and this. And it's like, that's not fucking real. No, it's not. And so that's what it feels like to me. Um, Yesterday was one of the days that I had this, I've had like all this stuff going on with my body and I, you know, teaching my mastermind, I'm teaching my clients and they're always asking me like, how are you? And I'm like telling them like, yeah, you know, I just feel like I'm creating space for myself just like I did for you when I, when we first got on and we're just Mm -hmm. chit chatting. But last night I hosted a call uh, or some, we, we did a retreat back in, I don't know when we did it. It was confusing. This year was confusing, but we did a retreat back in sometime this year and we were doing like a a integration call for all those people and just like a catch up on like what's been going on since the retreat and most of it were friends of mine and so I got on and I didn't feel like I could share with anyone I felt like I was at capacity to share which as I was sitting there on the phone I was realizing oh my gosh being at capacity to share is really just me saying I could not compose myself to give a share that wouldn't be really messy and wouldn't be really vulnerable and so I got on the camera and everyone was like, Oh, cause it was like 30 minutes went by and I was like blank on the camera, just like texting. I'm here. I'm just here to listen, you know? Mm-hmm. And as soon as my face comes on, they're like, how are you? And <clears throat> I just lose my shit. And for like 20 minutes, I just tell them all the things that are going on in my life. And I'm, I'm ugly crying at this point. Like, I'm like, I'm like, do I need to stop? I can't, I don't even know if I'm saying what I need to be saying. And I just like got it out of my, you know, and everybody was like, other people were crying. They're like, thank you so much for sharing. And when I got the phone, I was like, I don't ever do that. Mm-mm. I don't ever do that because I'm always so composed. I always have the, the perfect articulation. I'm always yeah. here holding space for other people. Even when I need the space help for myself, it goes back to that same thing. <clears throat> oh, you know, I need to hold space for myself, but I see that because of what happened, you also need me to hold space for you, even though you're the one that created the scenario where we need to hold space. So I'm going to hold space for both of us, but really, you know. Exactly. Yeah, that's something that's just coming up for me a lot lately where like, I realize like, I have things that need to come out. Like I sat in the bathtub the other day. And but again, it's by myself. And I'm laying in the bathtub and I'm just sobbing uncontrollably. Mm -hmm. And I my brain, my conscious mind does not know why. I am crying so hard and I'm like laying there and I'm like, I'm feeling like so many feelings, so many emotions, but like, I'm not doing that in front of anybody. I'm doing it by myself. And so I'm on this space now where I'm trying to learn how to just, it it doesn't always have to be perfect and composed and, you know, it's hard. I mean, the truth is, is that if it's vulnerability, it can't be perfect and it can't be composed. No. And it's, it's hard. I've caught myself 
actually using the appearance of vulnerability to manipulate people before in my past Mm -hmm. where I'll tell a story that I know to other people would seem like vulnerability because it's a very unconventional share knowing good and well, it doesn't bother me whatsoever to share, you know? And I try really try not to do that with my mastermind because if I'm able to share something, you know, that's, that's really vulnerable with them and I'm able to, and at the end of it, they're like, that story was so captivating and like this and that it's like, well, that, that was a story. That was my articulation of what happened in a way that I knew was going to impact my audience. Like that's me being dope in my copywriting and in my storytelling. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's great. Like on stage, you don't want to be a sobbing mess for the whole audience to be like, we don't know how to like, they're there to learn, you know? And so for my mastermind in workshops, like those those are going to be how I tell stories. However, there have been a couple of times with just our group discussion calls where I'm just like, I'm going to be really, you know, vulnerable with you guys. And I'm just going to share from my heart. And when I do that, it's, you know, it's very touching for me and for them. What has given you like, how have you been able to step into that and be like, I am just going to be truly vulnerable and embrace this? I think honestly, creating safe spaces all around me, like. I've been the last, you know, part of that, having the house here and really like wanting to feel settled is to feel an even deeper layer of safety. Um, I have had a lot of people in my life that I am safe enough to be able to just completely break down and know that they're not going to try to fix me, fix my problems, give unsolicited advice, you know, when I'm feeling vulnerable, manipulate me or reject me. Um, And I have you know, I really have like four of those people that I feel solid about that experience. My ex is one of them. Um, there was the other day I was reading a David Detta book, Dear Lover, and it brought up some dark, deep stuff from the beginning of our relationship that I had experienced sexually and didn't have a place. I didn't have a way to share with him because it brought up things for him as well. And now I knew we were in a great place. And so I was already crying and I just decided to call him and not to make him feel guilty or not to get validation from him, but because I was processing so much that was coming up all of a sudden. And I really wanted to share with him my healing with that. So I called him and I just, I just was like, I'm just reading this book. It's bringing up a lot for me. I'd really just love it if you would sit with me. And for 20 minutes, he just sat on the phone while I sobbed and he didn't try nothing. He didn't, he just said, is there anything else I can do for you? And I was like, no. And then couple days later, we talked about it and he was like, yeah, it was really hard for me to not want to tell you that I was sorry or tell you that, you know, I love you or whatever. But like, you know, I knew that that was your experience and that you were just calling me because you just wanted, you just wanted a safe place to process. Yeah. And to be able to have a place like that, like most people don't have that anywhere in their whole life. Like that's who mothers want to be for their children. You know, how many people are you showing up for like that? And how many people show up for you like that? that's why I feel like my growth has been so exponential is the containers that I've created to be able to like really heal and to look at my stuff and to not be judged by it. And also, you know, we all have everything inside of us to heal. And some of us definitely need teachers and mentors to help us unlock the pieces that are already inside of us that are bound up, but we all have it. And when you can find people who are like my, my best friendships are people who, when they're going through suffering, the only thought that I have is congratulations because I know that they have everything that they need to overcome it. And I don't have to spend my time trying to absorb their suffering because I know for a fucking fact that they're going to do the work. And I know that the work that they're going to do is going to lead them to unique conclusions about themselves. And through those unique conclusions, I'm ultimately going to end up with an even more aligned friend. And this person is going to teach me more about myself. Like that's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you're such a beautiful, you're such a beautiful soul. I love chatting with you and you are a beautiful space holder for the people that you work with. Um, how do people work with you? How do you work with people? How do people find you? Share a little bit with everybody about what you're doing and how they can connect with you more. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, I, I have very few offerings this year. Um, I'm going to have a lot more in 2021, but there'll be less of like working with me individually and more of like working with my platform through courses and through maybe some other coaches that I'm going to bring on. Um, but right now, like I'm taking on one-on-one clients. 
I only have two packages with that. It's just all of it's three months. It's really simple. And then one of them has an in-person intensive for two days. So if somebody wants to do, you know, if they've never dove into the work before, it's really cool to start off with like two days of almost like a private one-on-one retreat. Um, and then I do have retreats also, but I don't have any, they're all full for this year. So I'll have more that open up in 2021. Those are awesome. If you want like a weekend getaway of this type of conversation and workshops that really tear you open and reprogram you and help you identify things and create space so that you can go home and like start really calling in the things you want. That's where my retreats are about. They're awesome. Um, and then the other thing that is my favorite thing I've ever done is my self healers mastermind. And that starts, the next one starts October 1st, and then we won't start it again for a whole nother year. So for anybody listening, I mean, you have 30 days to figure out if you want to do it, but yeah, it's, it's a year long program. Um, it's the most affordable thing that I offer. It's really community intensive, um, content and context heavy. Uh, I created all the content myself through, you know, all the learnings that I've gone through myself, through the books I've read, through the mentors that I've had that have passed down things to me. And yeah, we go through, you know, the first it's, it's really organized in a way that helps you understand who you really are before you start stepping in and playing with other forms of, of magic and energy and all, all of the things that we, we really want to do is like manifestation and building intimacy. And so the first three months is all about identifying your inner child wounding, your trauma, um, the programs that you have, your belief systems, even through like epigenetics, we talk about generational trauma. And then uh, we learn about boundaries and like boundaries for self-sovereignty. So I teach a lot about self-sovereignty and stepping into your power um, authentic voice, you know, self-expression. And then the next quarter, um, we, we learn about like just energetic space taken up in your life. So I teach on, um, chords a little bit, like chords that you have with other people, chord cutting. Uh, but we also talk about like how to increase your capacity to have more space through practices like cold plunges and, you know, saunas, extended sauna sessions. Or I talk a lot about sitting in the discomfort of something when it comes up rather than reaching for your phone or reaching for somebody else to make you feel better, but really sitting kind of in your shit for long enough to understand how long can I really sit in it? Um, and so we create a lot of space during that quarter. And then we go through and we do a vision boarding course. So now we have all this space open. Now we're going to plug in all the things that we really want. The vision boarding course I got from the idea of it from uh, reading You're a Badass at Making Money by Jen. And it's the like, kind of like the masculine outline of everything that you want and how it makes you feel and why you want it. And then the feminine aspect of like quantum science and like really calling it in and um, understanding how intentional you need to be with everything you do, because you are weaving the ultimate quilt of your life and you're going to get everything you want. But there's a big difference between like shooting a shotgun in the dark and becoming a sniper with your intentionality. And so once we move through all of that and we do the manifesting, we dive into relationships, like building conscious relationships and co- like collecting your own community, vulnerability, um, conflict resolution, and then diving deeper within intimacy with partners. And then the last quarter is all about just alchemizing all of the things that you learned over the year and becoming a walking embodiment so that you no longer have to teach people, but you can literally just lead by such an example that's so magnetic that people are attracted to you. And um, yeah, it's, it's, pretty much just like everything that I kind of did over the last two years, but much more organized and much better articulated, um, softer, more fun, gamified, community-fied, like all of those things. Oh, it's so amazing. Okay. So anybody who's interested, I'll have in the show notes, all the information and how you can connect with Adrian and time is limited. You have less than, right. You said four weeks. Yeah. And honestly, the wait list is full, but there's always spots that open up and I would just go ahead and get on the wait list. Cause I'm the wait list is already full technically for next October too, just because of how many people were on it, but there's always rooms that open up. And if there's somebody that's like, I know for sure this is for me. Great. I just vet everybody. And for some people that are like, yeah, this sounds pretty cool. It's like probably not, you know, they're not really ready to step into that. Cause healing is, it's something that you really you want it, you want it to be like the focal point for the year. Like I'm stepping into a year of healing and like really embodying and like understanding who I am and creating alignment and trying to understand my purpose. And so for people that are, that are like in that space right now, you have four weeks for everybody else. Just hop on the wait list for next October. If you're still feeling called to it. Beautiful. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yes. Thanks Regina. I appreciate you. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you loved what you heard, I would be beyond thankful if you would share this podcast on your Instagram story and share with me what about the episode with me or with my guests that you loved. 
Also, please remember if you love this podcast to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes so that you don't miss out on all of the incredible guests and topics that we have lined up for you during this crazy year. And as always, if there is ever a guest or a topic or anything you would like for me and a guest to discuss, just shoot me a DM on Instagram at Regina A. Lawrence. Lots of love, guys.